and we're saving everybody on average around $20 to $25 per month. And when this project is complete, that's about uh, uh, one to one and a half million dollars a year of disposable income put back into our uh, members' pockets that they can spend on other things. Hello, this is the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. Many people think that Google Fiber in Kansas City has the top average speed in Missouri. Well, in 2014, Ookla ranked Tipton, with approximately 3,200 people, as number one. This rural town was also ranked 18th in the U.S., all thanks to its local electric provider, Como Cooperative. The electric cooperative, located in the center of Missouri, began in 1939 to bring electricity to rural farmers. Como Cooperative is on track to provide internet access via next-generation fiber to all its members over a large swath of rural central Missouri. In episode 140, Chris talks with Randy Clint, general manager of Como Connect, the triple play service available from the utility in the Tipton area. Randy's description of the Como Connect network echoes what we've heard from other cooperatives, a community-minded approach that focuses on including both town and rural properties. As more electric cooperatives answer member demands to provide broadband access, successful cooperatives such as Como can pass on lessons learned to ease the way for others. Each week, we bring you the latest on municipal networks and telecommunications through the Community Broadband Bits podcast without annoying advertisements. Please take a moment to go to ILSR.org and click on the orange Donate button or click on Donate at muninetworks.org. Every contribution is appreciated. Now here are Chris and Randy talking about Como Cooperative's Fiber to the Home project. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell. Today I'm speaking with Randy Clint, the general manager of Como Connect with the Como Rural Electric Cooperative in Missouri. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, Randy, I'm I'm excited to talk with you because right in the center of the country, you know, you're a little bit south of the famous Google Gigabit. You're doing a gigabit to some of the the more challenging uh, terrain economically to to deliver that same level of service. Um, But let's start with a little bit of just a little bit of history. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about Como and and its history uh, within the region? Sure. Uh, Como Electric is uh, electric distribution cooperative. Uh, We serve about uh, 31,000 electric meters in central Missouri. And we've uh, we just celebrated our 75th anniversary as a cooperative uh, this this past year. So we have a lot of history in the area. Where you know we were founded to serve an unserved uh, group of people, and uh, it's uh, repeating itself now with with broadband. But we um, we serve definitely a, a rural, very very rural, challenging area to serve, but. Um, one thing we noticed um, right away uh, when, is that uh, broadband is was severely lacking in our service territory. We are served um, primarily in our 2,300 square miles by uh, the big price cap carriers that uh, just didn't have a real good uh, track record for expanding broadband into areas like ours. So when our members started requesting service, um, I don't know why they they thought they could come to the electric co-op and ask them to serve broadband, but they did. Uh, We tried to get a stimulus grant. We weren't successful in that, but 
we had driven so many of our members' hopes up during that process that it's just something we couldn't leave on the table. So we did a lot of work. We did a lot of financial modeling. We um, we did a, uh, a pilot project uh, where it was demand-driven. We had to have so many customers before we would build it. And bottom line is that uh, um, the demand was there. The pilot project was very successful. And now we're on the road to building 4,000 miles of fiber to the home. And would I be correct in assuming that you're, across your service ter- territory, you have a lot of people that um, are off on their own um, and they have access maybe only to dial-up and satellite, but then you have other people in maybe some smaller towns that have DSL and perhaps cable? Uh, is that about the, the distribution? That would that'd be about right. We about um, the 32,000 or so houses and businesses that we pass Maybe about six to seven thousand of those had access to cable, uh, and then we have some very low low speed DSL. We don't have anything really any faster than ten megabits, and those are primarily in the communities. And then you're right; it's down to dial up and satellite. After that, one thing in in Missouri, most electric co-ops do not serve inside city limits, so. Uh, we come up right up to the city limits, which is pretty much about where the DSL range stops. So even where there is DSL, that's very rare. Oh, so you actually have areas then where we've seen this in some places in Minnesota where, you know, originally people wanted to move to the town because they could get DSL. But now are you seeing some people that are moving out of the towns into your territory to get the much better access? When we set out to do this, we, we knew this was an economic development um, project. It was a, for the region's benefit. And so we, we, we made the determination we didn't want to leave the small cities out. So we are actually, we just finished one of the communities uh, last fall, and we're in the process of building two more communities, even though we don't serve them electrically. We just think uh, the people and the community are just they're just too intertwined to leave leave people out so we're we're trying our best to serve everybody inside of our footprint well, I definitely salute that. Um, here we have uh, in Sibley County, uh, we've talked about the, an RS Fiber co-op where they're creating a whole new cooperative, and they have the exact same sentiment. They'll often say, you know, without the farms, we wouldn't have the towns, and without the towns, we wouldn't have the farms, so we're sticking together. Right. One of the one of the things that I'm curious about is is how you financed it. Do you have a, a connect fee where you uh, charge people up front, or uh, how are you able to to make this work? We have a uh, we just have a minimal uh, installation fee. It's a hundred dollars. Uh, we we do everything pre-sold prior to construction. So when we open up an area for construction, we we offer the one hundred dollars, but it's limited. Uh, it's a limited time offer. They have to sign up during construction or the $100 offer goes away. We try to drive a lot of the demand during construction, which you know makes more sense when the crews are on the ground constructing to connect houses as they go through. So um, that $100 obviously doesn't come anywhere near the cost it takes to uh, build fiber to the home. But we're doing it, um, you know, as a cooperative, we, we have a uh, an expectation of long life of our assets. A lot of our Electric lines are 34 years old and still functioning. So we don't have to have a three-year return on our investment or a five-year return on our investment. This is a long-term project for us. So 
that makes it much more feasible if you look at it in the terms of 10 years, 15 and 20 year returns. And uh, we're just, uh, we're financing this with uh, more traditional financing sources and uh, with no grants or government loans. What kind of take rates are you seeing when you when you go into some of these communities and um, and you have this time limited period? Um, how much interest do you see in the unserved areas? We are. Uh, it's really fun when we open those up because uh, we send a packet out that describes the service. Of course, most people know what's coming and they're most are very impatient. But when we do send the packet out and we announce that their area has been open for sign up, it's not uncommon in unserved areas to hit 50% of every electric meter signing up for service within a matter of weeks. Wow. Yeah, that's that's the kind of thing that we've seen. And, and not only that, but you know when you're making those investments that you're going to have that customer for a long time because um, not only do they have this longstanding relationship with the cooperative, but, but you're not expecting to see AT&T doing a competing fiber line right next to yours, I'm guessing. <laughs> oh, uh, they haven't done it to date. I can't imagine them wanting to do it against competition. Right. Well, how fast does your service go in terms of the people who are already connected? We do offer a residential gigabit service. All of our all of our services are symmetrical. So uh, we have a 5 meg, 35 meg, 100 meg, and a gigabit plan. And our gigabit plan is 99.95 a month. And as as I understand it, your your gigabit might be faster than some other gigabits. Did you recently win an award? I think uh, what we do is we. Uh, we, we pay a lot of attention to our net index rating, which is uh, created by Speedtest and Ookla. And uh, I was just actually looking at it this morning, and um, it's funny, our, our headquarters is in Tipton, Missouri, and Tipton, Missouri is, uh, I think, listed as the second fastest city in the state of Missouri. And I think right now, uh, Como Connect is the uh, 18th fastest ISP in the nation. <laughs> Not too bad for, uh, for being spread out so, so thinly as you are. Right, and and uh, you know, in, going into those averages, there's some of those people in the five meg plan. So, uh, if we didn't have those lower speed tiers, the economical tiers, uh, I think we'd be way up there. And so, what does this uh, this network do for your ability to control the grid and to be more efficient as an electric utility? And that that is one of the uh, uh, one of the main criteria that we used when we decided to build the network was to support smart grid and uh, we are uh, almost every one of our substations now is connected via fiber and we are starting to connect our downline uh, devices like breakers and regulators and capacitors and uh, it's going to create huge benefits for the electric grid and create a more reliable reliable service and hopefully keep uh, keep the upward pressure on rates to uh, keep it kind of down a little bit. When you were trying to decide, you know, about this plan, were there benefits of using fiber that would not have been present if you'd gone with a wireless type system? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, latency is a big thing, and of course, coverage. We about the lower third of our service territory is very hilly, covered with lots of trees, and uh, getting good wireless coverage in that area is very difficult and the ability to be able to hit every one of our devices, obviously with fiber being on every one of our electric lines uh, is a big advantage. 
And I'm always curious about the impact on on economic development. Uh, you know, it's it's fairly common that uh, jobs are leaving some of the rural areas that do not have good access. Uh, you have uh, kids going off to college or university, and they um, they may not want to return to an area where they could only get slow DSL. Are you seeing any kind of an impact because you have this great network available in uh, regions that suffer from those sorts of problems? You know, most of most of what we've seen as far as economic development goes are uh, just just single stories that we're hearing from our membership. Uh, we don't have any large business that we can point to that we've attracted to the area. We we do serve um, a recreational area around the Lake of the Ozarks, a lot of summer homes, and what we are seeing for sure is that people out of Kansas City, out of St. Louis, are coming to their lake homes and they're spending more time here. Uh, because they have high-speed connectivity back to their offices, and uh, it's it's interesting that two to three thousand of our members actually reside in a Google Fiber Fiber territory. So uh, I think, uh, in fact, one guy on Facebook commented that uh, he thinks he may be the first person to have gigabit at his full-time home and his vacation home. So. <laughs> Uh, we do we do know that is going on because people will email us uh, telling us their family thanks them because they get to use their vacation home more because they can stay during the week when they need to do work. And that that's actually something that I was just at the Wisconsin Farmers Union meeting, and there there was a discussion about how if people spend uh, you know an extra week per year or two weeks per year in some of the northern Wisconsin communities, which are more where people have second homes, that has a real impact on the economy around there. I mean, it could be millions of dollars in aggregate um, because of just the the multiplier effect from keeping people and spending more money in local areas. Yeah, that's correct. And and the other thing that we've noticed, and this was a this was a surprise to us. We we didn't put this um, into our decision uh, early on, but as we um, convert more and more people over from the other carriers, uh, one thing we do is we ask for a copy of their uh, phone bill so that we can make the number portability portion easier. And so we started seeing some of the totals on their old bills and started totaling up what they were paying prior to our service and what they're paying after. And we're saving everybody on average around 20 to $25 per month. And when this project is complete, that's about uh, uh, one to one and a half million dollars a year of disposable income put back into our uh, members' pockets that they can spend on other things. Wow, that's, that's, quite, <laughs> that's quite a number for, uh, for some of those uh, smaller economies in the uh, smaller towns. Um, one thing I'm, I'm curious about is I sometimes hear from other people who are served by rural electric um, cooperatives, and they're not sure what they can do. Um, you know, you mentioned people started contacting you and asking you to do something. Do you have any advice for, let's start with people who are um, cooperative members, uh, and then uh, I'll ask you about the leadership of cooperatives uh, next. Well, I would say cooperative members, if they do what our members did, your cooperative is bound to listen. I mean, they're the, they're the owners owners of the cooperatives. They um, obviously uh, can talk to their board members. They can go to their annual meeting. They can ask for the service. And more and more cooperatives are doing this across the country now. So it's it's not going to be like it's going to be a surprise, I wouldn't think. 
uh, to the cooperative leadership that their members asked. You're also doing uh, cable television. And so I'm curious if whether that's uh, a part of your advice or not. But if you, um, I'm sure you have other cooperative um, boards reaching out to you to get a sense of what lessons you've learned. But uh, what advice would you give other rural co-ops as they're trying to figure out what they can do in this space? Well, as far as uh, evaluate the feasibility of the project, I would recommend uh, co-ops following the footsteps if they're unsure that we did, is to do a demand-driven pilot project, uh, carve out a service, carve out an area of their service territory, and notify those members and uh, get them to put some skin in the game. You know, surveys surveys always look real positive until you ask them to put down a hundred dollars, and then that sure changes the results. So, you know, put together a program where uh, by you know, giving you a hundred dollar deposit and see what the demand is, and I think they might be surprised. Is there anything else that I should ask you before we end the interview? No, I don't think so. I think you touched on TV just a little bit, and, and I think every anybody that's looking at doing this probably has to make that TV uh, decision for themselves based on their market. It, it does help create a bundle, which makes, your, uh, uh, makes you more competitive. If you have, you know, if somebody has DSL and then they have a satellite television service and telephone from another source, uh, those are very expensive. It makes you very competitive when you can package those together. But as we all know, uh, we keep hearing that over the top is coming. You know, I think every every entity looking at doing this is going to have to make that decision based on the time they decide to get into business. Uh, for us, it's working. Uh, it's very difficult business to be in. Uh, programming costs are out of control, and there's not much you can, you can do to combat that. But uh, it's, it's working well for us at this point. Well, actually, that, that brings up one last question that I, I do want to ask you, and that's, um, you know, you certainly have your hands full as you're expanding right now, but I'm curious if, if uh, some other areas outside of your territory or even uh, local government wanted to, to work with you where they, maybe they put up the capital for the infrastructure but asked you to provide services. Is that something that's on the table? Uh, that's something we would uh, we would take before our board. I think it's something we would look at. We are. Um, we just approved our uh, final two phases of our project, which will uh, give its light at the end of the tunnel for our, our construction. And we we know the end date is coming soon. And some of the neighboring uh, either electric cooperatives or munis that would be interested, we we would definitely entertain a, being able to help them out if uh, so be it, whether it be a provider or or if they just want to come visit and take a look at what we've done. We're happy to do that. Excellent. It's that the cooperative spirit of cooperatives have to help other cooperatives. So um, thank you very much for coming on the show. Okay. Well, I appreciate your time. We have a few stories about Como Cooperative on muninetworks.org. Take a moment to check them out for more info. Send us your ideas for the show. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. We have a Facebook page, Community Broadband Networks, and we encourage you to go there and to like it to receive regular updates on news stories and developments in community broadband. You can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at CommunityNets. We want to thank Person for his song, Blues Walk, licensed through Creative Commons. And thanks again for listening. Have a great day.